Hi, everybody. My name is Jordan Ostrop with Legalese Marketing, and this is Exhibit A Attorneys, where we interview attorneys and other experts across the country to talk about what it truly takes to be the Exhibit A of a successful attorney. attorney. Uh, joining me today, a phenomenal guest who checks so many of those boxes, Guy Sakalakis, who wrote the funniest bio in that I cannot read it on Facebook. So uh, Guy works at Attorney Sync. They do a lot of the stuff that we do, and I say that as a hopefully total compliment. You know, no conflicts, not dicking people over left and right, but really trying to drive great value for attorneys. Um, today, we're going to talk about how do you define success in law, as well as how to stay successful. So, Guy, um, obviously, I summed up so much of your awesome experience and knowledge into a quick, you know, one or two lines. So, fill us in on the rest. No, that was basically it. Um, no, I was a, uh, I was an, I'm still a licensed attorney in Michigan. I'm actually on location uh, in Chicago. You caught me in Chicago today. I'm actually on my first trip back to Chicago since uh, the pandemic. So I'm glad to be back. I'm at my friend, the Ken Levinson's office downtown. Um, but yeah, I, I was a Michigan attorney, uh, stopped, uh, left practice to found attorney sync in 2008. Uh, and we help lawyers try to get results using communication technologies, the web, marketing. And um, yeah, I've been doing that now. Gosh, it seems like forever, but um, really glad to be here. And uh, I love the stuff that you've been putting. I love this show. And uh, you know, we know we're in a lot of uh, groups together and uh, really love your message. So really honored to be here and have this chat with you today. Thank you. And I believe Ken Levinson's coming on our show in a month or so. I think Ken mentioned that. So that's, a, he'll be a great guest. I can't use him as my recommended guest. You can, you still can, it's fine. <laughs> He's not on yet. Well, I recommend Ken. There we go. All right, so um, we've got some of the comments coming in here on how to get in touch with Guy as well as Attorney Sync. As we get into defining success in law and how to stay successful, I wanna talk about our previous episode that aired on Monday with Eric who was nice enough to come on and talk to us about how you protect your brand. So from the attorney perspective, obviously you have the benefit of not only your specific brand, but also a lot of times your client's brand, especially if you're doing business law or something along those lines. So, but enough about that. Guy, take us away. I want to hear your story in more detail because I've, I've listened to your podcast. I've seen you on so many other ones, but I want to connect all the dots here. Well, it all started on a cold January night in 1979. We'll fast forward past that part. So um, I was a young uh, attorney at a plaintiff's law firm in Southeast Michigan. It's like 2005, 2006-ish. And, um, you know, conversations, hey, what should we be doing online? And I, you know, I didn't have any idea. So um, at that time, when I did the research and, you know, what I found was, I was like, you know, I feel like there's an opportunity here to make this a business. I kind of already had not always had this entrepreneurial bend. Um, so, you know, my, my career as a lawyer is hardly a career. I was, I was really practicing like a year or two, uh, but the conversations mm -hmm. I was having with lawyers at the time was there was a lot of, uh, you know, opacity and uh, charlatans and there still are, but um, you know, I kind of always thought I was like, you know, look, these are my lawyers are my people. And um, you know, we can probably, uh, provide some better service here. Uh, that, that was really the genesis. I partnered with a friend of mine from uh, undergrad who had had experience at another company. Uh, it was internet marketing for like at-home services. So like replacement windows. And, um, you know, it's funny, you know, you think back to like 2007 and gosh, a lot's changed in search, but we really cut our teeth on search was our real 
that's our real bread and butter. Um, but you know, obviously, it's we've expanded to more uh, other uh, channels. Social's huge now as well. Uh, other kind of paid advertising, and then I found another business because I'm an idiot. Uh, in 2013, that's uh, an agency outside of legal. Um, so I stay pretty active in the the intersection of practice of law and other businesses and and digital. But uh, that's essentially that's the short story. I was I was a trial attorney for a brief period of time. I always had an entrepreneurial bend. I started out as a computer science major before I switched to philosophy because I you know in 1997 when I was a freshman in college, uh, computer programming wasn't as awesome and as exciting as it has become. It was more like C programming in a dark room. And I was like, forget that. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I went to law school, started practicing, had a great uh, mentor who's actually my offensive coordinator for my uh, football team. I uh, loved my experience there, but uh, eventually decided to make it a full-time gig to give this entrepreneur thing a go. Here I am. So, so you talked about, um, so you talked about getting into that marketing space and bringing in somebody from outside the legal industry. Kind of walk me through those initial connections because, or that initial conversations, because I think that that's really how all of this started. You know, like lawyers couldn't market for so long, and then eventually we could, and I still don't know that we've really figured out how to do it. So I'm always curious to hear those sort of origin stories where you take the the best of non-legal and and make it work in the legal space. Yeah, you know, my big thing. This is I feel like maybe I'm broken record because I when I'm when I get on the spot about the like what it, what works like what is it that's working for lawyers uh it, it's one of those like as much as things change they still the same this remain the same uh and so i always talk about this but it's like the, the thing that lawyers forget you know some a marketing person comes in and they're like oh we're gonna buy some ads and we're gonna put a media plan together and we're gonna get you on video but they forget that it's still a reputation and relationships business and so it's not, you know, it's not networking or reputation or the internet. It's both, right? It's like those conversations, those no like and trust conversations, those uh, reputation relationship conversations that lawyers have known for before we were even allowed to market are the cornerstone of great practice. Those conversations aren't just happening online. I mean, look, we're able to sit here um, in different locations, online, video, publishing it across a bunch of platforms. That's the thing I always tell lawyers is to remember is, is like, it's about the people and the relationships behind the technology and the communication platforms and the marketing plans that matters the most, right? It's it's getting happy clients to sing your praises. It's staying connected. It's it's staying connected even after the representation's over. That's another one that, I, that always comes up. I'm like, what are you doing to stay in touch with people in your professional network? Oh, well, the reputation, representation's over. I don't talk to them anymore. It's like, there's an opportunity there. So that's really the, the theme for me is always come back. Remember the relationships. Remember it's people behind these profiles. It's people behind these platforms. It, it's people that you're advertising to. Um, so as much bright shininess as comes out every new and day, which I'm, I'm grateful for. It's amazing. You know, the world is connected in a way that's like no, no ever before. But um, yeah, it's still about the people and it's still about positioning yourself as an expert. And, um, you know, all those things that we've known for forever that are the cornerstones of really effective uh, legal marketing. You know, I wish we could have a friendly debate, but literally 20 minutes ago at lunch, I was commenting on how really everything we do is how to win friends and influence people just in the digital space. So that's it. That's the whole show. Yeah, and we're done. <laughs> we solved it. Yeah, no, but it's so important because, you know, you lawyers get carried away. They, they, they get, whether they're sold this, like, you know, 
some kind of magical thing. There's no magic bullets. There's no magic bullets to relationships, right? It takes time. It takes effort. It takes empathy. That's another big thing too, is like, you know, people will say like, what's your most, you know, best marketing tip, like care about the people that you're serving, right? It goes a long way because it, it, it shows through in everything you do, whether it shows through in the way that you communicate, that you stay in touch, that you do follow up, that you set up your automations, whatever it is, the more that you're making, you know, uh, Jack Nuna at Clear was always talking about client-centered experience. Like, it's so true, though. Um, and that's the thing I think we forget is with all this technology to remember that it's about their experience. It's about, you know, making it easy for them, helping them understand the process. You know, so many, regardless of your context, most people, like, they don't know a lot of lawyers. They don't have a lot of, you know, they're hopefully not engaging with the legal system on a regular basis if there's a, you know, if they're in a, uh, a family law context or an injury context or a bankruptcy context. And so making things easy, uh, taking away that the uncertainty and the fear, like that's what great marketing is all about. So along those lines, I mean, what, what have you learned as you've been doing this for the last, you know, 14, 15 years, other than everything you just said is totally correct, was correct then, is correct now, will be correct. You know, how, have you seen any changes in there? And then after that, we're going to jump to these uh, comments that we're getting, and then we'll circle back. Yeah, the, the thing that and I, I know I read the, because uh, I always get like the, the, what's the one thing you should do? Because there's all this stuff you can do, like what should you be doing? And um, the thing that I've recently I've been on this big kick of is, because I'm actually surprised that this is still needs to be said, but if you do nothing else online, it's Google My Business, in my opinion. It's free. Um, and, and the, and the reason I say that is because it's the brand search. So when people search on your name or your firm name, or if you're, if you're in a state where you can do a trade name, whatever your brand is, if, if, if just a friend or a family member, an acquaintance or whoever mentions your name, people are going to go look you up online. And the first thing they're going to see is that Google, my business thing. And that's the, that's the strongest piece of reputational evidence that you have in your arsenal is to make sure you're sending people that have had great experiences with you to Google My Business, get images up there. Google My Business, you can you can have testimonials. So you know you talk about tell your story, tell your story through your the videos in Google My Business, where it's permissible. Get clients to uh, leave a, a video testimonial. Obviously, get their consent to publish that, but put that on Google My Business. You can answer frequently asked questions on Google My Business. You you can have a call tracking number so you can measure the performance of your Google My Business campaign. You can put UTM parameters on your Google My Business campaign. You can actually track the keywords that people are using to find you, which can help um, inspire your content strategy. So Google My Business is such a powerful tool, um, and it's free. It just takes the time to go in there and, and claim the profile, add the uh, information, and then monitor it uh, with, through Search Console. Yeah, and I'm a big fan. Um, Jay Ruane brought this up. It's uh, Steady Demand Local Picks. I want to say it's like 50 bucks a year. You get up to 10 seats. It's a really good way to have multiple people on the team. And what it does is it just sends a text message. Hey, it's time to upload a video. You send it back and it goes right up to the Google My Business. So it's really nice to get a lot of your, you know, more client centric um, staff members or other attorneys up there. And then you could always have your marketing team come back in and add the, the big bells and whistles behind it. I, but at least you're getting that content up. I absolutely love that. And again, this which it, it addresses such a uh, an issue that keeps coming up. It's like, everyone's like, give me your best idea. And like ideas are a dime a dozen. Go execute. Like you know what you need to do. Go post the videos or the images. Um, you know, be online. Go meet somebody. Go make a new connection. Uh, go comment on somebody's. You know, what, what's the new what's the new thing on LinkedIn? Go comment. Right. It's comments have been there forever. Like there is no magic. 
go build a relationship with someone by engaging with them uh, and commenting on their uh, topic. So I love that tip because that that's usually where the ball gets dropped, right? Like I got, I know what I need to do. I know I got to put my best foot forward online. I know I got to have my clients sing my praises. I know people want to get regular content from me, but I'm busy. I don't have any, I forget, you know, go. So if you got things that, that can create reminders for your notifications, go do that. I think that's a huge uh, opportunity there. All right. So now I want to highlight the, um, the first comment that we got from Carlos Breezy. So it's, I find myself texting my new clients a couple of times a week to see how they're doing. Is that okay to do? What are your thoughts? So I always say, meet your clients where they want to be. If the, if your client wants to be, to receive text messages from you, I think it's great, you know? And, and that's the other thing too. Like when you're talking about designing these experiences, ask the questions, how do you prefer to be, to, how do you prefer that I communicate with you? Are you, do you want me to text message with you? If, you know, lawyers immediately go to, well, I got to check, like, is this even ethical? And, and there, of course there are privacy things to be thinking about, just like any tech, type of technology. But the, from a marketing standpoint, from a client relationship standpoint, go uh, respond and engage with your clients where they want to communicate. So if, if you can touch in by text message with your clients on a regular basis, what a great way to solidify that relationship. So I'm all for that. Yeah, I know. And um, then Carlos shared the downside, obviously, you know, clients think they can text you anytime. So I'm going to take what, what he said and echo it. I mean, I look at it like a Venn diagram. So this is how they want to be communicated to. This is how you want to communicate with them. And hopefully, you know, you've got those areas. I got small hands, but so be it. Um, Just like in the relationship. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So uh, I want to take a transition there into defining your success in law. So I want to start from that, you know, mindset question, that big overarching type thing, and then we'll get into some tactics on it. When it comes to defining your success in law, what's your, what's your advice, guidance, tips, tricks, whatever? Yeah. So, I mean, first, like, the, let's, what's the definition there? Like I, I'm a big, uh, you know, as a lot of people are e-myth person. And so I'm going to use uh, Gerber's definition of like fulfilling your primary aim. So what is your, what's your big picture? What are the most important things to you in your life? You know, what's your, what's your mission? Where do you want to be in five, three, five, ten 10 years? And, and then your, your firm should be built to help you realize that primary aim. So um, the, other, the other thing I'm a huge fan of is uh, Culture Blueprint. Um, it's a book that is the, I'm blanking on the author's name, but a great book about um, mission, having doing a mission, vision, values exercise. You know, your, your firm should help you uh, express your values uh, in a professional context. And so for me, success is about building a firm that helps you meet your primary aim, that helps that that you're aligned on with the people you're working with, both clients, partners, and uh, internal team members, uh, people that are aligned on values, and that you're you're realizing this this vision that you have for your practice. To, whether it's whether what gets you out of bed in the morning is to uh, serve clients, um, whether it's to feed your family. But at the end, you know, people talk a lot about purpose and stuff. You know, it's I think it's awesome when there's alignment on all those things. When you're a fantastic practitioner, you're a great relationship person you truly care about your clients, that's, you're, you're going to set yourself up for a lot of success there. Um, but not everybody has that, right? Not everybody's as passionate about, you know, some people are like, they went to law school because they thought it'd be a good career opportunity. But finding that definition for yourself of success and then building, designing a firm for that, that's really what success is all about. You know, how do you get there? Like, yeah, you got to learn the P what a PL is. You got to learn the business aspects because you can't just... Uh, you can't be pro bono and feed your family, right? You can't, you can be passionate about your clients, 
passionate about the work you do, but if you're not able to collect a fee that uh, supports your lifestyle for your primary aim, then it's not going to be success. So that's kind of how I think about the success conversation. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because I always tell people just go watch the movie Soul. Like, right. Yeah, it's a it's a Pixar oh, a movie, movie. for kids, but, but oh. really, like that's what it is, right? You're finding that spark, you're finding that passion, and hopefully you can address that from an attorney perspective. How amazing are those people that make those movies? I mean, that just to touch you in that way with an, an animated film, it's like it's amazing. Yeah. Beautiful film. Highly recommend that. Love Soul. So I always I find myself coming back to these three questions though. Um, I always find it coming back to how much do you want to work? What work do you want to be doing in that time that you are working? And how much money do you want to make? And then you sort of backtrack from those to figure out like, okay, you know, if I want to work 40 hours a week and if my case takes 10 hours of time, what do I need to charge, you know, to get those things lined up? Um, thoughts on that? I, I am acutely focused. I think it was your second question is what do you want to do? Because, you know, you, you should be able to, you got to build design around sustainability. Some people might work 40 hours a week. Some people might be willing to work longer. I think that's an important question to ask. I think the money question, of course, is an important question to ask. But what do you like to do? This is the part that lawyers run into so much trouble with because they, when you're, especially if you're a solo, you're just getting started. You got to do everything. That's just the way it is. But you should be designing your future firm where you do what you like to do. So, and let me we'll do the simple ones. The simple ones are, I love being a trial lawyer. I want to be in court. I want to try cases. Well, guess what? That means if you're going to spend 80% of your time being a trial lawyer, you got to have somebody else filling the other functions, you know, using some EOS traction terminology, other functions of your business, whether that's marketing, whether that's administration, whether it's finance, whether it's management, um, and then on the other hand, there are some lawyers that are like, you know, I'm actually a decent trial lawyer, but I'm really good at communicating with people and building relationships. And so then maybe you become that function, then you got to have a people that can actually be, you know, work the cases and be the trial lawyer. And so to me, that second question, like, what is it that you really love to do? That's really got to be the cornerstone of, of how you design your role in your own practice. And the amazing thing to me is, Although like your firm can serve the needs that you were trying to serve, you can still find your actual cog in that wheel that makes the most sense to you. You know, maybe it's doing the legal work, maybe it's running the business, maybe it's overseeing the marketing, whatever it is. And all those things get to you actually genuinely being able to help people through normally the worst part of their life. Um, but with you doing the part that is your zone of genius, is the stuff that you're interested in, is what you want it to be instead of you doing a million things that you are forced to do. Exactly. And that and that's such a great point. And that's another thing that lawyers always miss is that the harmony, the alignment, you know, things like profitability, they're not, yes, of course, they're good for you as the business owner, but they're also good for your clients because you're going to deliver a better service. You're going to deliver a better representation. Um, if you aren't, you know, have the anxiety of not having a profitable business or not having the time to properly work their case. And so I think that's such an important point that it's the harmony between the, your firm's success is good for your clients too. And so I wanna, I wanna jump on that with um, a comment that Carlos had in response to your earlier response. So it says, I find it funny that he mentions that I helped 24 clients pro bono. My friend that's an attorney told me it was time to charge. So now I'm charging half of what others are charging, but I don't know how to take away the bad feeling of charging someone, I feel really bad. 
I want to start off with you're doing a disservice to everybody else by not charging what you should be because you are allowing yourself to genuinely take that many more cases for free, hire more staff, bring on more attorneys and actually serve more people. I see you nodding. So I think you're with me on that. Yeah, no, totally. And, and again, it's, it's not sustainable. So even if you look at it in, in a microcosm and you say, you know, look, these, this 24 people I helped, you can't do that forever. And so your, your ability to help more people, as you mentioned, is limited. Um, and, and again, that's not to say like, you, I, if, if, if you feel you, number one, you shouldn't feel bad about charging again, you, like it's a business, like it's the business of law. And that's another thing that, you know, I've been thinking back to my early days, you know, people would tell me all the time, well, you know, law is special. It's a profession, you know, and, and it is, it is special. And we do help people in their worst time of life and, and all of those things, but it's also a business. And, um, you know, if you, if you can't support yourself, if the practice doesn't support you, then you're not going to be able to do that for very long, unless you're independently wealthy and don't uh, need to uh, actually make any money, which is awesome. If you, if that's your situation, um, but it, it, that's the whole, that's the whole thing. You shouldn't feel bad about charging because that's what enables you to actually deliver better service, get results for clients and get results for your future clients. Yeah. I think, um, Craig Goldenfarbs, I'm going to paraphrase it, but I'll get as close as I can. Says so something like, look, as an attorney, you know, doing personal injury, serious cases, whatever I can help 50, a hundred, maybe 200 people a year. But as the business owner of a 75 person firm, we can help three, four, 5,000 people a year. And I can make sure that our values are reflected on all those people. And I just thought that was such a great point of genuinely being like, it is your, um, it is your duty to be successful enough to be able to help as many people as you truly can. Yeah. I think that's a good way to look at it. And, and again, I also like, um, you, you shouldn't, I, you, I don't think you should feel guilty about, um, generating a fee for the expertise that you've invested in yourself, right? You went to law school, you passed the bar, you've made, you've already made investments, like part of recouping the investment uh, so that you can actually sustain your practice to help people is making money. Like just, that's just, that's, a, that's part of the capitalist's world that we live in. So in terms of that definition of success, you know, through whatever lens they really go to, do you have a suggestion on like how frequently somebody reviews that definition to make sure it's still accurate or to make sure they're closer to it? Yeah. So I'm, I'm big on, uh, I mentioned traction and, uh, entrepreneur operating systems. So you'll hear me, I'll, I'll talk EOS all day, but, uh, the way that we look at it is so we have a vision traction organizer. And so I would encourage people to be looking at, you know, the 10 year out, right. The 10 years out is like very hazy, you don't really know, but you've got big, you know, the, the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goals. Um, that's one lens to look at. And you're like, okay, let's, let's zoom in a little bit more. Then let's look at your three-year plan. So three years out, you should have a little more clarity around it. Um, you should have a, bit, a little better picture about that. And then you have one-year plan. And one-year plan is extremely tactical. And so uh, we review it quarterly. We're looking at our vision traction organizer every quarter and saying, how are we pacing to our one-year plan? Does the, is the one-year plan needed to date? Um, you know, I think if you're looking at things like that kind of level of reflection more than quarterly, you're probably a little bit too hyper-focused on it. But quarterly and annually, those are the those are the uh, the way that we look at it using the traction uh, framework. And so, and we adjust it right every year. You come up with a, one, a new one-year plan. Every year, you review your three-year uh, picture. 
um, and your tenure, I'm blanking on what the tenure is, but tenure is way out there. Uh, but I think quarterly is a good assessment of like you're moving in the right direction. You get more familiar, you get more comfortable with it as your firm matures. Like the first couple of days, like you're obsessed about it, like every day, because it's, there's a lot of unknown and you, you don't know if you're going the right direction. You're spending time on the right things. You're spending money on the right things. Um, but I would, I, I think you, you can almost get the analysis paralysis if you get so focused on like every single day, am I doing the right thing? You know, set some goals, reflect on them, what worked, what didn't. And then you'll look at it in the following quarter. I love it. So we're talking uh, Gerber on the E-Myth. We're talking Gina Wickman on Traction. We're giving people a, we talked to how to win friends and influence people. We're giving everybody a book list. No, it's good. And that's the thing I love about this is, is that, you know, people come and they, whether they're a regular uh, attendee of the show or they're just dropping in, you're not going to solve all these things watching a couple of guys talk about this in an hour. And so having those resources, like these are great follow-up resources if you're an entrepreneurial lawyer, like these, these are great resources. Like they're, they're kind of like the, um, you know, they're the curriculum for being able to start uh, moving yourself forward. And so I, I, I think it's more valuable to just talk resources even sometimes than it's just even give my advice. See, that's why, that's why I find myself so drawn to podcasts or other live shows because you can get those little tidbits and you're doing it all in real time. So it's, you know, not that, Again, not that any of this really changed because you're going back to know, like, and trust, but it's so crazy to see like the latest update to the LinkedIn algorithm or the newest feature on Instagram while also backing it with these, you know, tenants of a successful business. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. And I think the other, the other value is because, you know, we live in this space. The other thing that we can uh, help people and experience share on is you know, what we see working, right? It's, it's the actual, like we've done the, re we've, tr we've done the test, we've done the experimenting, we've read this stuff. And so, um, you know, again, I think that the, that that's a tremendous value to be able to sit, sit down and say, Hey, these guys are doing this, like what's actually working. And I'll tell you, it's for, for us, it's, um, from a search con search context, one of the things that's always surprised me and I think this is probably like, I'm just poisoned from being a lawyer is, is like, you know, I can, I'm always astonished by how many legal services consumers call directly from a Google My Business result listing with a, a tracking number without ever even clicking through. So what does that mean tactically? It means reviews, it means call tracking number, and it means uh, you know filling out that Google My Business pr profile. But again, it's all free in terms of you don't pay for any of that stuff, but it's not free in terms of it takes time to build up that reputation, to build up those testimonials, uh, to build up the content that's worth sharing and, and to build those relationships. Yeah. So we've got the, so we've, we've got this vision of success in place. We've got the, you know, vision traction organizer. We've got the, the little bit of traction or the EOS stuff here. We're checking this. What do we do to stay successful? What do we do to hold ourselves accountable? What do we do to make sure we're actually acting these things out? Yeah. Accountability is so, so important. And so, uh, I'm, I, we, I have a account we call them accountability coaches, but they're basically people that, um, they're, they're not in my business. Um, but they, we check in once a week and I, I, when I put it on the accountability board, like this is going to get done and they ask me, Hey, did you get it done? Um, so that's like a simple one. Some of them though, if, if you're not, if it's not like a, another person, sometimes it's as simple as adding a notification on your phone. It's like, just, you know, having some systems and process in place to have some accountability in, um, you know, task management, right? So like, you know, as an agency, we're, we're, we track time and 
Um, you know, we want to, uh, you know, time's not necessarily a performance metric, but it's a great way to talk about productivity because so many times, how many times do you, you find yourself, you're like, I didn't even realize I spent that much time on this, or I didn't realize that I forgot to do this thing. And so some kind of visible tracking device system, whether it's a, uh, you know, whether you build it into your practice management tool or your CRM tool, or you just have like, a, we use teamwork. Uh, for uh, project management, but just seeing that you're completing work and you're meeting deadlines um, and you're uh, you're 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 meeting your agreements with yourself about the work you're going to do, that's so much of it, right? It's it's back to that thing. Like everybody has all these amazing like time travel is an amazing idea. Show me how to execute time travel, right? Show me how to build the time machine. That's where the real value is. Well, it's always amazing to me. You know, you have like the um the they're they're raising money they've got the goals to build a new thing or you've got like the domino's pizza tracker and just like watching the progress bar go over is so motivational to people because like ultimately you know i, I had this discussion with uh moshe amsel yesterday i do things three times asap like it came in and i can knock it out now when it's calendared or never like those are my three options on getting things done and i think and, and accepting you... well sorry to interrupt you there yeah no go for it I was going to say the acceptance of the things that are never going to get done. That's another important one um, because we get overwhelmed by that. Right. It's like, and you know, it goes into that idea of saying no, like say no to the right things is so, so important. That's another big uh, growing point that, you know, you, you can't do everything for everybody all the time. And so being able to pick uh, and focus on the things that you, you know, that are important that are priorities and figuring out, you know, in, in EOS parlance, that's, you know, rocks, but figuring out the priorities of your business and then going and executing on those, such a big part of the uh, the success picture. Yeah, and that's, uh, well, I'll throw another book in here, Deep Work. So basically, oh, you know, when people work. have the to-do list, I always suggest them like, look, block off time to do your deep work, block off time to do the to-do list, organize your to-do list, and then the rest of the time, don't worry about it. Like, don't let the 9,000 things you want to get done weigh you down 99% of the time, get those, you know, two or three hours a week really dedicated to turning that into a to-done list. The dis distractions are a success killer. That being said, I swear on Facebook all the time. It's great. <laughs> well, it's because you blocked out time for it. That's, that's probably very accurate. And I have the, uh, and I love the crazy thing to me is technology keeps catching up to making this easier. So, you know, you can set time limits by app on your phone. You can set times where apps will lock you out. I mean, you can really go in and do, you know, limit yourself to 30 minutes a day on Facebook or have Facebook not be available for you from nine to five or whatever your hours are. It's just, it's amazing to me that, um, you know, we've given ourselves these tips, hacks, I don't know, ways yeah. to really well, make it work. And being intentional, <clears throat> excuse me, with the time that you're there, right? So there's a big difference between just, you know, doom scrolling and engaging with other people that you can start to build a relationship with. Like those are two totally different tasks that you can do on the same app, you can do on the same platform. Um, but one is gonna, I think has a lot more value. And, and the other one, you probably should stop doing altogether because it's bad for your mental health. I mean, we could talk about social media as a mental health issue all day as well. Um, but if you are gonna carve time out for it, be intentional about the time you're, that you're gonna spend, uh, engage other people. I mean, that's the thing. It, if you're not comfortable posting, if you don't have a lot of content, your content is comments, engagement with other people where you can add value to the conversation. Like that's how you, how, how do you think no like, and trust is built these days? That's it right there. Yeah. And it's amazing to me on a lot of these platforms, you will do so much better 
with the engagement out than with the content in. I mean, Facebook, Facebook has too much content, you know, LinkedIn probably still needs more content, but it's getting there. So like you commenting on, you know, the post for Gary V or some other thought leader or influencer might get you so much more exposure in your ideal market with your ideal clients than you, you know, spending twice as much time to put together some really nice posts yourself. That's another good point because this one comes up all the time. Um, you know, people are like, well, you know, I'm, I'm a small town lawyer or I'm a, I'm just getting started. Like I, I'm not, I don't have a big following, but that's the thing. You can take all of those learnings, all the Gary V stuff, all the engagement stuff and just zoom it down to your local community. So, you know, instead of trying to get featured in like the wall street journal or New York times, get, get build a relationship with a local journalist who covers stuff in your local community, go get active with the local nonprofits. Go take on speaking engagements with local high schools and local elementary schools. You know, go get active in youth organizations or, or whatever it is that you're passionate about. You know, find those affinity audiences in your local groups and then go and, and connect with those people. Um, you don't need, it's not about the size of your audience. It's about the quality of those connections. So much more important. So people get overwhelmed. Like lawyers all the time talk to me. They're like, you know, I'll make a, a use example of some lawyers got like high profile and they'll be like, I can't do that because I'm not that lawyer. And I'm like, but you can do it on a small scale. And the connectivity that you have there and the engagement you get is so much more valuable. Give me, you know, 10 really solid people that I'm connected with than 100 people that might, you know, I might show up in their feed, but there's no stickiness there. There's no relationship. There's no connection. Yeah, it's a, such a great point. Because I know, obviously, you know, you get that uh, FOMO or whatnot where it's like, oh, so-and-so got featured in Forbes. Like, that's awesome. But I guarantee you, if you're a you know personal injury attorney in a rural county, being featured in the local paper or being on the local news is going to have so much more of an impact to your bottom line than some you know New York Times write up or whatever it's going to be. Exactly, and that that's another you know it goes back to the beginning of our conversation, which is it's like it's this market, it's this traditional marketing 101 stuff. Be where your audience is. Uh, and where they want to connect with you. Like, it's just vanity stuff. It's, it's ego and vanity if you're in that situation serving that small community uh, to get featured in the New York Times. It makes you feel good. You, you know, and some people might be impressed by it, but the day-to-day -day in that context, it's, it's not going to matter as much. They're gonna, it's going to matter much more of like, do they feel like they're, you're approachable, that they can share this experience they're dealing with, that you care about them, um, that they can trust you, like, that's going to make a much bigger difference than whether or not you were, you know, you were featured in New York times or in Forbes. So any other tips, wisdom, et cetera, on that, you know, staying successful that you want to make sure we share with the audience. Yeah, I just, I, I think I, this is like the buzzwords of the times, but it's a particularly uh, uh, valuable, I think, as we're still coming, you know, we're opening back up. Um, but it's, it's a, it's a concept that's been with us forever. And, and that's this idea of, Gratitude and empathy. Everything you do should reflect that you're grateful that you're able to help the people that you're helping, that you truly do care about them, whether it's an email message that you're sending, whether it's how you're interacting on a phone call or responding to a review or your website copy. You know, again, not about you, it's about them. What can you do to convey that you truly care about that audience, that you're grateful that they that you have their attention? That's got to come through in everything that you do. And, 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 the, and the, we know, I mean, we, we have a lot of mutual friends too. The lawyers that are able to do that, they're the ones who are able to grow those uh, really successful practices that stand the test of time. Yeah. And it's so, it's so easy. Like if you, you know, you take those two attorney ads and it's like, 
I got so-and-so a bunch of money for their thing. And then it's, this is Susie. Susie got into an accident and I got Susie less money than on this ad, but this is how it impacted her life. Like that's going to be so much more engaging, so much more memorable. And every other attorney isn't going to be like, what a D-bag to the one who's, who's highlighting Susie as opposed to like, I got another win. Well, and that's the thing, you know, it's, it's it, when you in the personal injury context, you can go to a, a half dozen law firm websites right now, and most of them are going to have settlements and verdict numbers on them. So guess what happens? Now you're just like everybody else. If you have Susie, what if you come to the website and it's Susie herself saying, this firm helped me through the most difficult thing in my life. They helped me take, you know, they helped me find uh, the, the care that I need. They helped me set me up financially. They kept me posted throughout the process. Again, who, who's going to stand out? And the other thing is, Susie is not copyable, right? You can't copy Susie from a marketing standpoint because Susie's Susie, the verdicts and the dollars, everybody's doing that. So that's not going to help you stand out. And again, you know, we could debate the whole verdict thing and settlement thing um, and the expectations that that sets uh, and all that kind of stuff. I'm not even saying don't do that, but if you want to stand out, Susie's what helps you stand out, not the dollar signs. That would be the most amazing uh, conspiracy theory ever, right? If there was like 20 firms that like pooled client testimonials and suddenly like it got out. That <laughs> yeah, everybody... and, and if, they, if they didn't represent them, it'd probably be a pretty easy ethics violation there too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so along, along those lines, we're changing gears. I don't know. You're, we're talking about this gratitude, being grateful. I think part of this thing successful though is, being, is, is having those moments to stop and, and smell the roses to really be able to appreciate your success or your path down success as it's happening. What sort of guidance do you have for people in that respect? You know, for, for me, and I hate to keep uh, going back to us, but it's, it's just so top of mind for me right now. It's, it's car. It's, it's, you know, let's put some of these concepts together, block out time to actually reflect, you know, whether it's a, um, you know, just a few minutes or an hour a week to sit back and, have some exercises of gratitude, you know? Uh, why am I doing this? What makes me happy? I mean, this is even something you can apply this in your personal life. We talk about this with my, with my family all the time. Like you're sitting down, you know, hey, what are you, what's everybody grateful for this week? You know, you can do that at work too. Do it with your team. You know, uh, we, that's one of our, when we do our weekly team check-in at AttorneySync, first question we ask is, what are you grateful for? And, and it can be a lot of things. And you, but you really get to know somebody a lot better when you start to understand like what it is that they are actually truly grateful for. And it's not, it's not a uh, motivational poster on the wall. It's not like, you know, hashtag gratitude. It's really like, what is it that you're truly grateful for? Um, I'd be, I'd reflect on that on a, at least a weekly basis. And it, it, it really helps you uh, clarify where you're headed. It helps you solidify your vision for your firm, for your life. Um, and it also helps you be a better lawyer because those exercises in gratitude, like it reminds you why you're doing what you're doing, because let's face it, not everything's rainbows and unicorns. Like there's plenty of things that we do in the practice of law that, you know, you'd rather not be doing, but if you have that foundational gratitude in place and you have that, you're recognizing that on a regular basis, it makes getting through that much easier. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have always been life work. Well, not always been life work balance since my kid's been born. And I, and I hate being a hypocrite. So we've always tried to push a lot of that to the staff. And I remember it, it wasn't that question, but something similar. And somebody was like, oh yeah, you guys let me leave like 10 minutes early so I can make sure I made it to my kid's recital or whatever it was. And I'm sitting here like that, I'm amazed that that had such an impact, but I guess like 
that's not common. So that being good to other people and, and hearing what they're grateful for will let you realize what truly impacts people. Right. And, and, and you know, that's true. And that's, it's a, it's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, it's like a sad uh, indictment on us that uh, that is so remarkable that a nice gesture like that is so rare. But the, the positive side of that sword is, is like, that's a huge competitive advantage for A, winning new business, and B, for attracting great people on your team. Because again, if you're, if you're going to do anything besides be a solo, you're going to have team members and getting the right people in the right seats on your team is so, so important. Um, and so the good news is, is that just, you know, small gestures of gratitude and empathy can go such a long way to solidifying those relationships across your professional uh, life and your personal life. Absolutely. I also like the idea of group incentivization. So, you know, if you've got that larger team, you know, create your monthly revenue goal or sign up goal or whatever it's going to be, and then have the team vote on, you know, an event. Well, I guess assuming you're okay with COVID or at least wait another couple months, something like that, come up with an event that you can all can go and get together. Like we did the uh, museum of illusion last week, crazy. I think that was last Friday. Uh, because we hit, you know, the, some of the numbers that we were tracking, and then it gave us an opportunity to really enjoy that success because we were out of the office, we were doing a fun event, we were together as a team, um, etc. Along those lines, so I really enjoyed, yeah. like those. And your team participated in deciding what it was going to be. That's their thing too: is getting getting team opt in and buy in, um, making things more where, where you can. And not it's not going to be businesses aren't going to be pure democracies. Um, but where you can get that feedback and input from team members, um, where you can get that feedback, you know, we talk about feedback loops with clients all the time, getting feedback loops from clients is that's the best way to improve your service because you're actually listening to what it is that they're looking for uh, and then designing around that. It's, it's a good work practice. It's good personal practice. good for uh, relationships with clients too. So anything else you want to make sure we cover as we get towards the end here in terms of defining success, staying successful, appreciating the success. I'm, I'm, I'm on this kick of execution right now. So, um, you know, I think we, we shared a lot of great resources, a lot of great ideas, some foundational concepts, hold yourself accountable to doing one thing every single day, make that priority. Even if it's like a minute or two here or there, um, invest one thing in a relationship or demonstrating your reputation, one little thing every single day. It's, 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 we're very busy, you know, but the practice itself, you get, you go head down. It's, you know, obviously if that's your role, it's going to take up a lot of your time, but spend a little bit of time thinking about, uh, you know, building a relationship, demonstrating something that you're knowledgeable about, uh, positioning yourself uh, a little bit every day and it builds up. Those small investments really do build up over the long run. And you know what the synonym for those things are? Traction. Traction. It really, We're, it really or comes smart. back to it. Or what? I was going to say smart, specific, measurable. Oh, yeah, yeah. Attainable, realistic, but I like traction better, so. All right. So um, the our next episode is going to air on Monday. Jacqueline Foster is going to be on. She's going to talk to us about legal staffing strategy, an innovative approach for profitability and growth. So this will highlight um, exactly what you and I are talking about today in terms of growing that team and how you do that in a way that is profitable instead of just growing to be not profitable, which I hope nobody wants to do. But um, we'll do that on Monday, 1.30 Eastern time, right back here on Facebook. But before I let you go, um, if somebody's been listening to this for the last, I don't know, about 45 minutes, and they take, they remember nothing else that you said, they take nothing away except what you're going to share here. 
It can be something that we've already talked about. It can be something totally different. But what is your biggest piece of advice for how somebody can be the exhibit A of a successful attorney? Focus on relationships. It's, it really is. It's a relationship business. You're not, you don't sell widgets. Go build those relationships. Go socialize. Uh, if you're not the person at your firm to do it, then go delegate that to somebody else. But your practice of success is going to be based primarily on your reputation and the relationships that you're able to build and then to, to spread that word. And you've got all these great tools, fancy, shiny objects to spread those tools. Go forth and spread the word. And just to be clear, to, to echo that, to highlight that, to put a, a finer point on it, it's not just clients. It's not just referral sources. It's resources for clients. It's people who have great connections. It's people who can help your clients. It's you know, people that can help you be happy, you know, whether that's related to business or not. All of those relationships are you know, potentially equally important depending upon where you are in that time versus money conundrum. But like we, um, my wife connected with a car broker just randomly and not even thinking about it, but then three weeks later realizing we had like 15 clients who had car accidents and now needed a new vehicle and we're getting screwed around on property damage or whatnot. And now this is a person who's never sent us a case, but been an amazing resource for so many clients who have raved and raved and raved about that, you know, little extra just because she was open to the connection and seeing, you know, how it might make sense and, and like the guy and hit it off. And now he's helped a bunch of our clients. And, and that's, and that's the thing that people are going to remember. That's, what's going to be the remarkable thing that they're going to remember. And so what a great example. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Jordan, uh, thanks so much for having me. Had before a blast. I let you go, yeah. we've got all of your contact info, but where else can people hear more from you? Can you talk about the podcast and show that you've got? Sure. Yeah, we're, uh, we do lunch hour legal marketing on the Legal Talk Network. Um, I've got a clienting podcast I'm uh, rebooting, but it's, it's kind of in the works right now. I'm pretty active on Twitter and LinkedIn. If you just start typing G-Y-I-T-S-A, I usually come up because my name's so unique. Um, or you can email me, G-Y-I at attorneysync.com. Uh, I love talking about this stuff. So anybody's got follow-up questions, uh, always happy to talk shop on it or just make a friend. So don't hesitate to reach out to me, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. There we go. And thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Jordan. Have a great day. See you around. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of successful attorney, please check us out at legaleasemarketing.com, E-A-S-E. 